Hey guys, welcome to our program, Small Town Worlds, where we talk about world issues from a small town perspective through a biblical lens. Our aim is to spotlight Jesus Christ and spread the gospel while discussing relevant topics we all face day to day. One. Hello everybody, welcome back. We are talking today about Christian nationalism, and we're just going to kind of Maybe give more of an opinion piece, I guess, this time. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's more of an opinion uh, piece, just our take on it. We lis- we've we listened to quite a few people talk about it, read a few things about it, and um, just going to kind of give our perspective on what we think uh, and what yeah. we would call it. Maybe uh, it's, I know it's got a lot of different labels and right. probably a lot of different interpretations, and we'll just give our perspective yeah. today. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it's another one of those groups for me that I feel like um, taints the name of Christianity. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess I've just been hypersensitive to that lately. The groups that I feel like just um, rob Christianity of of what it really is, which is you know yeah. people that follow Jesus Christ. Right. Know? And um, so we talked a little bit about that just before we came over about nationalism versus patriotism. And so nationalism um, typically has a negative connotation, while patriotism still right now has a positive connotation. And some of the things that I read made me really kind of come to the determination that nationalism is more of a sect or a group of people that wants to be in power. Um, And they want their beliefs to be uh, adhered to and, and, and... In the political realm, whereas a patriot is just someone who loves America, still loves their nation, wants unity with the people. Um, One of the things that I gathered from that, though, um, in the the one podcast that we listened to was that these days, though, there's no line anymore between the two, between patriotism and nationalism. From from the um, the opposition in some say. perspectives, I was going to yeah. say in some from, perspectives, from many who oppose uh, what they would label nationalism, many of us would just say we're we're patriots, right? It's patriotism, and so anytime you because the one guy said, say America, and you're a a Christian nationalist, you know? right? Uh, has uh, my subtitle was has Christian America adopted this culture? I don't think that we have. Yeah. I think it's actually a really small fringe group that actually are true Christian nationalists. Yeah. Um, merging Christian Christianity and American patriotism right. together in one thing. Well, it's like either side of the, either side of the, is, of any issue. If people think they can adhere themselves to any particular group that's going to get votes or support you know they're gonna they're gonna take on that persona so that they can get those yeah yeah it's more about power in that scenario definitely definitely much so more about power yeah um okay i'm back (laughs) okay so why is it wrong in some in the eyes of some believers to live in a godly nation, because that's the, that's the, um, accusation on the other side. We're trying to take the nation back for God. So, 
is it wrong for us to try to take the nation back? Should we uh, step back? Um, why is seeking to uphold a traditional version of America a bad thing? And does that mix church and state? And why would we have a problem with that? One of the things that I listened to talked about <clears throat> the fact that what's what's claimed to be a Christian um gosh, what's even the right word, doctrine or theology or whatever, some Christian tenet, that when you break it down, it's it's really just a, a human thing. Let's just take murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would claim that uh, Christians are trying to push their morality on everybody else, but when you break it down, nobody believes that murder is correct. Right. And so what they call, like you just written, imposing Christian values, mm-hmm. that's the word, about Christian values on to, into politics. Yeah. It's really, it's really just an accusation to be hurled against, you know, and an, someone in an opposing position. Because yeah. Because when you break it down, most people would hold many of those same tenets and values to be true. Yeah. How so, did you say that? well, I said we did derive. What's frustrating for me is listening to some of those in some of the opposing thoughts, and reading some of the opposing thoughts is that we di- we did derive our moral law from biblical truth we did and so i just wrote a few of them laws in america were based on theological biblical worldviews at one point um murder theft rape restitution payments are biblical child support um and even the welfare system all are based on (laughs) on the bible yeah they really are and you know, to deny that, thats I think that's the frustrating point, is that now they want to come back and act like that's not the case, that that's just moral law. But that moral law did derive from somewhere. Yeah. Right. You know, um, in Christianity Today, I'm going to read what they're, uh, and we, we've said before, they're typically a little bit more, they're progressive. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're moving progressive. Right. We'll they're put definitely it. liberal in the... Conservative circle. I mean, in the uh, Christian circles. In the Christian circles, they're a more liberal view. While they still do oppose abortion, I will say mm-hmm. that. Um, this this was written February 3rd of 2021. Um, Christian nationalism is most evident in its political agenda. Uh, but this is the attitude that they use. So, I was, I was a little offended, so I'm going to read what it said. <laughs> An unstated presumption that Christians are entitled to primacy of place in the public square because they are heirs of the true or essential heritage of American culture, that Christians have a presumptive right to define the meaning of the American experiment because they see themselves as America's architects, first citizens, and guardians. So they're saying... I think I said it wrong in the beginning. It's not most evident in its political agenda, Christian nationalism, Mm -hmm. but in its attitude. And they're saying this is the attitude that Christians have and that we all have. Basically, Christians have this attitude is what they were saying. Whether you label yourself. Whether you label yourself as a Christian nationalist or not. If you... um, believe these thoughts and I don't think that Christians do believe these thoughts we don't believe that we have the uh, preemptive right to uh, do you think we do I mean I, I don't think I've never I've never asked myself that question like I, I guess I don't 
I've never thought about that. I don't. That in the public square and in the public arena, we should be placed above others no, because of our American of Christian heritage. The fact that I that I feel strongly about protecting what's right. Yeah. For our country, I don't. But I would in no way think that made me a nationalist, and I certainly right. don't think that Christians should have some kind of preemptive position over. Yeah. So I kind of feel. I feel, just give my, I said this was an opinion piece. I'm going to give my opinion piece, my opinion on the piece. Um, I feel like it's a buzzword Mm -hmm. to cast a negative tone and to cause division and um, to cause factions. Yeah. You know, within the Christian community, I think that's, I feel like that's the goal of um, of the other side or of the enemy. Yeah. I mean, that's always the goal, right? That's always the goal. To cause division. So my thought and opinion was this, is that um, politics is important. It should have, um, you know, I should be, I should be voting. I should be standing up for, for truth. I should be standing up for the things that I believe that God would stand up for. Um, but ultimately, my, my Christianity is far more important. Christianity is is. is. That's it. That's, we, that's my, who we are. That's who we are. And so where where the two intersect, I think that I must ask myself, how would God want me to vote? What would God want me to stand up for? Yeah. Which issues are important to him? Um, which side yeah. is important? And I don't mean side of, you know, Democrat or Republican. I'm talking about which side of an issue. Which, yeah. Which, um, which stands most yeah. reflects his heart for humanity, which stance yeah. most reflects his heart for, um, you know. I think we come at everything the, gospel, yeah. the opposite of trying to take power. I think it's humility, and um, my heart, anyway, comes from a, it comes comes at that it, those issues at a different place. Yeah. Um, got questions? I printed out an article from them and. Gosh, it was so good. I felt like it just said everything so correctly. Um, It said, Critics will often claim Christian nationalism when there's the slightest connection between a person's faith and his his or her political or social views. From that perspective, any desire to see laws reflecting godly morality or protecting the Christian expression of faith in public life is invalid nationalism and should be rejected. The same strategy is often used against pro-life, pro-Israel sentiments, support for biblical sexuality, um, and at times any political conservative stance conflicting with progressive morality is waved away as Christian nationalism. They said it's so great. By that standard, any approach to politics could be belittled as invalid nationalism. It would be misleading or unfair to characterize all support for LGBTQ civil rights as homosexual nationalism. Um, and they went on to to say that in athe- atheist nationalism or um, black nationalists who, uh, who supr- uh, people who oppose segregation. Um, and voters whose morality is defined by, by the Bible are not Christian nationalists. That's not to say... Persons identified with sexual, religious, or ethnic groups can never be described as extremists because clearly there are. Rather, the point is that advocating specific perspectives does not automatically 
imply radical nationalism. That was such a good, good point. Very much. I mean, I think that was, I did not articulate it well at all. Well, but, ago, that, but that was the point. That is, is that the any, point of why we're doing this today, any actually. Any word is then used against us to associate with us with some fringe group. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that interview with Niels Jimby, one of the things that I loved him that he said and one of the points that he made was removing labels. Yeah. Because, honestly, I feel like I've done it, and I, and I feel like that it happens often in the, in the conservative circles as well. As soon as we hear someone say a word like justice or, um, gosh, you said restitution a while ago, or, you know, some of those words, well, then automatically we label those people as critical race theorists. Yeah. Or they're trying to push, when in reality, the Bible speaks extensively about biblical justice. Yeah. So for a pastor to to do a message on justice does not make them... A Christian nationalist. A Christian, nor does it make them... A, a progressive. A progressive or a critical race theorist that's pushing right. that. I mean, right. And so his point was... Have conversations with people. Be specific in the yeah in in the questions that you ask them. Okay, you say you're um, you're just a patriot. Let, let me let's go a little bit further. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you yeah. think that Christians that every law in America should reflect um, that Christians should dictate every law in America? Right. Um, do you believe that Christians should have priority and privilege over every other group of people in the country? Right. Those are some specific Christian nationalist viewpoints Viewpoints that you would want to pinpoint. And then if someone said, well, no, that's not what I mean by that, or yeah, well, then you know where they stand. Mm-hmm. Just like understanding critical race theory. To understand critical theory or critical race theory means that you, you know that this is a worldview. Right. This is a worldview. This isn't just, um, we were talking about a few weeks ago when we were talking about false teachers and we were saying how so often people are labeled a false teacher because somebody took a soundbite mm-hmm. or a couple of soundbites over a period of time and all of a right. sudden this person is a false teacher because they said this wrong or this wrong or this wrong. Yeah. Instead of looking at the body of work and the stand that someone takes and then saying, Okay, this reflects what they truly believe. Yeah, yeah. And so, because I wear an America t-shirt um, or stand in a position such as anti-abortion or something like that, because of my biblical beliefs, that doesn't make me a Christian nationalist. Absolutely not. It makes me a Christian Yeah. who, who has just as, or should have, just as much voice to express my viewpoint from my worldview as... So, you know, someone that doesn't share a biblical worldview has has the right, as of now. Yeah, as of now. <laughs> to share. And, that, their, their, and gosh, that's, that's the point. And that's why I'm interested in, in any kind of political endeavor is to maintain the rights that we have for the furtherance of God's kingdom. That's, that's it, yeah. in my mind. Um, the reason we should even care <laughs> about anything political is so that we can maintain current religious freedom and current freedom of speech. I mean those um that's that's why I care about those issues, honestly. So on um, the other side of that, for someone who struggles with the the what appears to be at times the mix of the political with the Christian. And I I, I think that's where so many people struggle. I think mm-hmm. some Christians struggle with it. Yeah. Oh, I've str- I, 
trust me, I've struggled with it for my own self. Yeah, I think I think some some Christians struggle. They either they either don't want to mix the two at all, or the the two become so mixed that you can't tell where the gospel begins and ends. Mm, and I, and that's so, so important. And I think that that's the balance. I know for you and I that that we are trying to find and maintain because our heart above all is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Our heart above all is being able to speak to people in such a way that they come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And f- freedom of speech has been one of the things in this country that has allowed the spread of the gospel. Yeah. And so, as you said so well just a moment ago, the 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 yearning to protect that right it's really born out of that desire to be able to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I heard uh, John MacArthur say um, that even, he he didn't, how did he say it? We, he didn't mind if we lost our freedom of speech. And I was so, gosh, I'm telling you, I was very, <laughs> very bothered by that. But his point was God's message is right. going to continue. Right. We're little little America losing freedom of speech is not going to curtail God's plans. It's not the end of Christianity. And it's not the end of Christianity. That was his point. Yeah. And I had to wrestle with that for I'm not going to lie, probably several months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cuz actually I think he probably said that last year sometime. And it's taken me until right. now to catch up with him. Right. Um because I was really bothered for a long time, and I thought, you know, uh, gosh, you know, I didn't understand. I didn't. I, d- yeah. I just really didn't understand why he would say that, and why wouldn't he want to fight for freedom of speech in America? And he was. I don't think he was saying that he wouldn't stand for freedom of speech in America. He was just saying, if we lose it, it's not the end of the world. Right. You know, it. The message of the gospel is going to continue, um, and we're not in control. God's in control, and He's going to. He's going to win. He's going to ta- and he's going to protect his word. He's and gonna he's going to preserve pre- his yes, word. Yes, his word is going to be preserved. And um, we didn't. Uh, last, it was one of the things that I had written, but we didn't talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I just talking about God preserving and protecting His word. So, you know, in 1947, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Yes, tell us about that because it was so interesting. I don't even have that notebook, but if, if I'm remembering correctly, it was 900 scrolls I think were found, and every book. Of the Old Testament, except Esther, except Esther was contained in these clay pots that this little shepherd guy found when he threw the rock and it cracked, and he realized he had discovered something. And um, but what was so interesting about that is that when um, a, a Bible scholar took, I can't remember the gentleman's name, please forgive me, but the he took the the scroll of Isaiah and he took the Hebrew whatever, the, he took the Isaiah today and he took the, the Hebrew Isaiah and he compared them and they were 95% the exact same. And he said in his words, the 5% that didn't match was either when a pen had slipped, where you could it looked as if a pen had slipped, or someone had misspelled or transposed yeah. a letter or such in in transcribing yeah jay warner wallace had said that before he said most of the differences were spelling uh like you said transposing right yeah and it's and the point and the point in that again is the fact that 
our God is so powerful yeah. to protect what he created. Man didn't create the scripture. Man didn't create the Bible. Um, and though, though we are charged with spreading it and, and speaking truth and, and all the things that God allows us to be a part of, yeah. um, I just think about, you know, we're, we're in and there's this, there's this long line of God's work and humans are just a little, each one of us is just a little bleep in and out of that line. Absolutely. And he is, he is the constant. Yeah. He is the eternal. And, um. So I, I guess I count it more of a privilege of getting to be a part of that that eternal process of, of spreading that truth. And um, yeah, I want to I want to I don't want anything to destroy that that right that I have to do it, but I also know I'm not going to shut up if if they make it illegal. I might be right. limited right in what i can do and say yeah. i mean that's already happening let's oh, be honest oh sure uh, yeah uh, i follow a, a woman that has a, a pretty extensive instagram account and she's been she's already been kicked off at least once under one name she has seven strikes against her right now she is um, she had been a part of the patreon group which is a basically it's a podcast um it's a way to make money off a podcast. Yeah, what, yeah. What people do is they buy a membership and then you give them extra content and yeah. um, beyond what you would normally do. Anyway, she was kicked out of that because she, of some really because of some of her political um, statements that she had made on Instagram and within her podcast. And um, interesting. Yeah, it was it was very much so. And so she was, but what she was doing is she was advertising another avenue by which you could hear her content mm-hmm. by joining this addition. It was a, you know, it was, it was kind of a secret private, you know, she's saying, look, I'm going to be still saying these same things. If you want to still hear them and you want to find me, this is the way you can do it. Cause I'm not allowed to do it on this platform anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's what I see. I see. Yeah. We may have to get more creative as God's children to spread his word. We may have to get more. Um, and he'll give us the skills and the ability. Yes. You know, uh, I loved, re- I love, you know, I'm doing the Bible recap, yeah. doing my Bible recap and I'm reading the Old Testament. And I loved that, you know, he gave the skills to all the people who mm-hmm. built the Ark of the Covenant. And he said, I've given the skills to this one and this one. The weavers. The, and the, yeah, yeah. The people that made the, the artisans, everybody, everybody that made the clothes for the Levites. And he said, I've given them all the skills that they need to do, to do these specific things. And then the, he'd given them all of the, um, when they plundered, uh, Egypt before they left, they had everything that they needed to, uh, build the, uh, say it for me the temple what wasn't the temple it's the tabernacle tabernacle. thank you i couldn't think of the tabernacle yeah Yeah. they had everything they needed to build uh the the holy of the holies and uh the uh uh it's not costumes for the priest but the (laughs) i can't think of the right word the The robes yes 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 all the things that they were to wear (laughs) yes yes hey there was one more thing um that i really uh liked in this got that I got off of got questions. Um, modern culture uses the phrase Christian nationalism to imply something well beyond a simple overlap of those terms. I really liked that attitudes that follow biblical principles can't be fairly described using the popular definition of Christian nationalism. The attitudes that lay that the label implies are not part of the, of a biblical worldview. 
So I loved that, and I thought that was really um, that kind of just tied everything up that um, that I wanted to say about Christian nationalism. It um, just kind of put it in a nutshell. Putting those two terms together, you know, you said it in the very beginning. Um, it just again, it just hijacks our name and right. and um, it gives a negative connotation to the word Christian, and it's just just yet another tool of the enemy to try to, um, you know, undermine God and undermine his people and the work that we're trying to do. Yeah. God always has a side. And I think that our responsibility with regards to politics or laws or policies and those kinds of things um, as Christians is to seek God. Yeah. Always. I mean that. And be on his side. And be on his side. I mean, that's our charge. Yeah. You can, they can call it whatever they want to call it. I mean, right? Truly, we can. Yeah. You can call it whatever. I thought. You, you know what it, I thought it, about when I started this? I, I really, really, truly thought if if that's what we are <laughs> by being on his side, I'll take the label. Like label me that if that's what I am. But when I really got into this, that's that's not who that's we are. Not who we are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, if that label doesn't fit, they may call us something else. I mean, that they may or may not. Yeah. But as as Christ followers. We are each responsible for knowing what God's Word says, understanding God's heart for humanity, understanding God's law and standard, understanding His moral expectation. All of those are our responsibility. And then who who stands in a voting booth and doesn't reflect on what do I believe is right? Yeah. That's that's what we do as voters. So I'm going to stand... Everybody, the atheist, yeah. the liberal, the progressive, the everybody stands in the voting booth and says, which of these do I think is right? Who's going to reflect my values? But as a Christian, we have the obligation to say, which of these does God say is right? Yeah. Which of these positions does would God have me to select? That is the biblical worldview. If, if we do it any other way then we are dishonoring God. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so to, to, to throw a label like that on, on, a, on a Christian, um, I mean, it's just it devalues Christianity, but also devalues their own position. Because then what they're saying is that I don't have a right to bring my opinion into the voting booth. Right. Well, then, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? There's oh, such a absolutely. double standard. There's, because, there's always a double standard. Yeah, like if I'm if I'm expected to leave my Christianity at the door when I come in to vote, what are they leaving at the door when they come in to vote? Mm-hmm. You know, there there has to be if we're both expected to lay something down at the door, then I want I want to know what they're laying down, and what what we already know to be true is they're laying nothing down. Right. They're they're bringing their beliefs. They're bringing their moral code. They're bringing their mm-hmm. objective truth. They're bringing subjective truth. They're, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it's not objective. <laughs> their their subjective truth. They're bringing all of those things into the voting booth, and they're voting. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, we're we're gonna do the same. We're yeah. going to step into the booth with our objective truth, with our biblical worldview, with the moral standard of God, um, and. And vote the way that we feel like is gonna is gonna please him. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Uh, what's our? Uh, we just have a couple of more minutes left, and um, uh, 
I had listened to, I told y'all I listened to uh, The Theft of America's Soul by Phil Robertson. And um, the very, very end, uh, he, he gives the, he has, I think, 10 lies. I think it was 10 lies in the book. And at the and I listened to it a while back, so forgive me. Um, I hope I don't misquote him. But at the very, very, very end of the book, he, he counters each lie. And um, and one of those was this. I mean, because it's, it's, it's this. That's what he's talking about. It's, mm. it's the theft of America. Um, but it's the theft of America's soul. And that's, and that's how he ends the book, um, is that all of the lies of the enemy are to steal the souls of America. That's the point. And, um, and he, and he's, uh, I hate to say he's trying to pull, uh, it's okay. It's okay for him to love America. I guess that's my point. It's okay for him to, to want to pull America back. And that's what he was saying. You know, his goal would be for us to be a godly nation again. His goal would be for us to have godly leaders again and enact godly laws again. And and it's okay to pray for that. I, th- I think what people what people lose sight of is the fact that God has that heart for every nation. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and, I, and that's what I don't want to lose sight of. Yes, God wants that for America, but God also wants that for every single nation on this earth. Mm. He wants every people group. Well said. Well said. He wants every government to serve him. He wants every law to represent his heart. He has a heart for humanity. And so, yes, he wants that for America. He also wants that for China. He wants that for Russia. He wants that for Uganda. He wants that for Honduras. He wants that for every nation. And I think when we as Christians can keep that in perspective. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's very well said keep our own politics in check. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because God God does have that heart for America, but he also has that heart for the world. Yeah. And um I always I wrote in my book I my that my theology must affect my stance on policy and my policy must never affect my theology. Yes. I always want my 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 theology, my understanding of biblical truth. I always want that to affect my stance on any policy or law and and not the other way around. Yeah. Well, y'all heard our timer go off. (laughs) I always try to stop it, but I barely do. Yeah. So we really appreciate y'all joining us today. I hope that our opinion piece uh, was enjoyable and um, we'll be back next time.